It's WKXL in the morning. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead. Time for our weekly segment with the New Hampshire Bulletin. More from them at NewHampshireBulletin.com. This week, reporter Amanda Gokey's back. Welcome. Hi, AJ. Thank you for having me. So to start off with, uh, I want to give a big plug to your gun stock, a reopening and a reckoning article that's on the site. It, it covers a lot of the stuff that's happened in this just just all over the place a story that's uh, covered politics and uh, where money goes and libertarians versus other people in the state and free staters uh, with some highlights that surprised you uh, covering that. I mean, I think what was so interesting and what's laid out in the article is just how many different governing entities kind of have their fingers in what's what's going on at the mountain and also how this issue extends beyond just a matter of a ski resort, a publicly owned ski resort, whether it stays open or whether it's closed. These questions of privatization, um, you know, they're also impacting things like funding for the nursing home or things like mental health initiatives and also um, public safety. So, you know, things like the sheriff's department are being impacted. And so those people who have risen and gotten into positions of power in the county delegation are really setting a tone in that in that county. And it was, it's surprising just to see, I think, there's this groundswell of of support, obviously, for um, for gun stock for the ski mountain. Um, so I think the interesting question moving forward will be whether that momentum really carries them through the the midterm elections and ha- and how that shapes these other issues in the in the county moving forward. Awesome. Uh, once again, I'll link to this at nhtalkradio.com in the on-demand episodes of the show. I highly suggest you check it out to get a full picture of what went on with all that because. Elections happen every year. Odds are there will be more discussions on gun stock in the future. Uh, move over to, I have an energy reporter on. It'd be great to talk about energy. Uh, Berlin is going to use waste heat from the Burgess biopower plant to clear snow from the streets and sidewalks. And it actually is going to enable a lot of other development in the town, which would be really good for them. Yeah, that's right. So this is something that the city of Berlin has been, um, and I should say Burgess Biopower, have been sort of trying to to do for a while now. Um, Burgess Biopower basically burns burns wood to create electricity. It's not a super efficient process. It's only about 25% efficient. So to make this sort of equation make a bit more, more sense, the idea is, well, you can actually use all of the heat that's generated in burning wood, right? Like as you use it, you know, we think about people using that to heat their homes traditionally. Um, So what they're going to be doing is they'll rip up some of the streets in town. And those are repairs that were needed for um, about two miles of, of street downtown in Berlin. And also it will, it will enable the town to replace a bridge that was in need of repair. um, The mayor told me. Um, And they'll be able to insert tubing underneath the streets of the town um, and that waste heat will be directed through those through those tubes and that's the sort of mechanism that will allow them to keep their streets and sidewalks clear in the snowy winter months um, through this through the spring to to keep that um, clear and this is sort of being um, I would say the congressional delegation has kind of lauded this as as an innovative way of using this um, waste heat it really only uses about 10 percent of the of the waste heat that's generated um and so both both burgess and the city of berlin are are are, are pointing to this as a demonstration of you know look what look what we could do here um in hopes of attracting other 
possibly businesses that might want to locate themselves um, on the, the 60 acre campus of the, the power plant and take advantage of that um, heat as well. Yeah, it's it's great to come up with an innovative way to use it. I mean, biomass has been a big discussion, especially this plant in particular, uh, over the last year with regards to the funding for it being up for discussion again. And anyways, to kind of capitalize and use the heat that otherwise would just go into the atmosphere, I'm assuming, is which is very counterproductive for climate change, is great. And it's, it's going to be ultimately probably save the city a fair bit of cost of not having to plow and deal with so much ice and snow and liability of having ice ice and snow over that part of town. And there, I think they're also billing this as really a tourism sort of a way of being innovative about tourism as they're kind of trying to reinvent themselves in, in that way as well. Obviously, the, the North Country has been hard hit economically in terms of the paper mills. And that was really a big, you know, driver um, in terms of all the logging, logging jobs. So the city of Berlin is really um eager to see Burgess thrive there and they consider it really an economic pillar now of the community. So they really want to see that sort of stability of this plant moving forward. And I should mention also, as far as energy prices go, you know, with, there was a whole discussion, as you mentioned in the legislature this past session, there's a power purchase agreement um, that Burgess Biopower has with, um, with Eversource essentially. And the, the cost of that is uh, it can be above market. And so that's why, hence the whole sort of legislative debate around this. Um, but now what we're seeing with power prices going up so dramatically, the prospect of the, you know, the price that they have locked in with um, Burgess is a lot more favorable when you have natural gas that's spiking so dramatically. So that sort of um, unpaid debt um, that they have, so to speak, in that arrangement is is actually decreasing. Um, that's what the the mayor of of Berlin was was mentioning that that cost is kind of is actually going down as far as what um, the plant would owe to um, Eversource and its and by proxy its its ratepayers. It's a very complex situation politically. I mean, the Republicans have been pushing nonstop for domestic energy production in any way possible with regards to fracking and such. This is – we're in New Hampshire. There's a, lot, there's a lot of trees, if you didn't notice. And this is able to capitalize on a domestic resource that we have that's renewable and – all, I mean, this uses waste material from other from lumber production. And I would say even more than just uh, domestic, it's it's hyper local. Yeah. Right. So, it's you know, there's people here. It's not something like, you know, a lot of money with when we're purchasing fossil fuels. You know, we don't frack in New Hampshire. It's a granite state. Right. So we're not producing any of that energy here. But trees we are growing here. And those are, you know, the people have to go out and cut those trees and are the foresters and are the loggers, they necessarily have to be located here. So it's it's really seen as a boon for the local economy and those dollars obviously stay in New Hampshire as opposed to shipping them elsewhere. And Berlin giving some some time and thought to their mainstream like this could be really big for their for them and the tourism side of things. As, as someone who survived the uh, Concord Main Street project, redevelopment project from a few years back as a skeptic of someone who lived on Main Street at the time and had to deal with the restructuring of streets and making making that all happen. It pays off. It pays off so well for, for local businesses actually are more enticed to show up, uh, to, to 
to start new businesses there. Larger industry might be interested in coming in and looking around. You see it down in Manchester with mill buildings being redeveloped. It's and all the uh, the money that's being put into those. It'd be great to see Berlin kind of capitalize on that. Yeah. So moving over to Mount Washington, keep it up north still. Uh, it looks like there's a commission that's going to be holding public sessions on uh, the future of, of the mountain and what's going to be going on over there. Yeah, and then these will be really interesting meetings. I'm definitely going to be watching them. There's going to be two. One will be in Concord and one will be up in the North Country, I believe, in Conway. Yep, at the North Conway Community Center. That'll be on Monday, August 20. Second, and the Concord one will be the next day in, in at the legislative office building um, in here in town. Um, and it's a really interesting year. So the master plan is something that they're required. This commission that oversees Mount Washington is required to update every ten years, and they can update it more frequently than that based on you know what they have going on. But I don't know if you remember AJ a couple of years back. There was a plan to do some pretty significant development on the summit of Mount Washington, and um, that plan was out. There was huge sort of uh, public outcry uh, against that idea. Um, it ultimately failed, and now the Mount Washington Railroad Company has kind of come back taken in that feedback, come back with an alternative plan. And what they're proposing to do is use about 18 of their sleeper cars um, to have accommodations at the summit of Mount Washington. Um, and that's already generated you know, a pretty significant response. About 30,000 people have signed a petition opposing this um, possible development. And that's sort of, you know, tied together with this future vision of the master plan of Mount Washington. And so I think that these meetings will be, it'll be really interesting to see who shows up, what they have to say, um, and how this kind of public debate moves forward. It was um, the, the state has already agreed, they've signed sort of a the executive council approved a memorandum of in, of understanding about this project, and and that doesn't give the project the final go ahead. Um, it still would have to be approved by the Coas County Planning Board. Um, but what it does is sort of set some guidelines, and it it basically acknowledges that the the railroad wouldn't build additional development after this. Um, after this project, if, if, in, if in fact this project does move forward. 18 sleeper cars is such a, a hipster Airbnb idea. Joel over there has, I've, I've met, I've encountered him a couple times because he's an alum of uh, the law school here in Concord, which is my full-time job. He's a character and to, to, it's a great idea. I mean, you got to have things like that. If you, if you really want to have Mount Washington continue to be interesting we already have are having an issue with having enough tourist housing up in that part of the state and this is like people pay big money for something like that and it's more people coming over there to visit the omni go over to sleep at the top of mount washington and do the cog go over to conway like it, mount washington's kind of central to all this 
Yeah, I mean, and it's certainly a huge economic driver in the region, as you say. And I mean, they're really building this as a a accessibility, a question of accessibility. I think on the flip side of it, you're going to have people who are who are hikers and who are saying, what what do you mean? I want my wilderness and backcountry experience on the summit of Mount Washington. I just slogged my way up here, you know, hiked however many miles. And um, you mean to tell me that, you know, it's it's just going to contribute to that sort of thrum of, of, of people who are, um, who are at the summit. So I think those will be sort of interesting factions to, to pay attention to and see how each side kind of makes its case moving forward. But the, the state, um, has, you know, already been relatively supportive. The, uh, commissioner of the department of natural and cultural resources told the executive council that, um, she thought this was a very good compromise and a win. she called it a win. Um, so they've the state has already sort of um, weighed in, in 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 that way. And so i'm I'm really curious to see how this how this develops moving forward. I think those meetings will be an interesting place to sort of gauge what the temperature is. Obviously, a petition of thirty thousand people is already pretty significant. Um, and and so, yeah, I'm, I'm, we'll see how it how it unfolds. Yeah, there'll be some uh, I think there'll be some interesting characters coming to. Uh put their input into what's going on because like you said it's it's a difficult balance between wanting to have natural new england up there and but still like it's a tourist attraction i mean mount washington is there it's uh and and people go there because they want to hike and take the cog and visit all the these cool attractions go skiing go hiking go uh play around golf down at the bottom of mount washington and all that so well, we'll wait and see what's going on, so be sure to check out um, the article at nhtalkradio.com. Uh, we're at the on-demand version of the show if you want to get those dates for the hearings. Going over to Bedford, there's been some uh, – there's going to be an election monitor to oversee upcoming primaries uh, following the attorney general's review of uncounted ballots. Start off with what are the, is the uncounted ballot uh, issue that's being referred to? Yeah, so this was in the general election of 2020. It was, if you remember, a pretty chaotic election. Um, There was, you know, really unprecedented number of absentee ballots. This was kind of still height of COVID. Um, You know, everybody's kind of still sheltering in place. A lot of folks are, are at home. And um, so it really pretty a hectic scene for the folks for the folks working these elections. And in Bedford, essentially what they did was there was all of these absentee ballots that had been cast. They organized them in basically, so you can imagine like a cardboard box. They had these box tops that they were using as like essentially trays and they had alphabetized all of the ballots that needed to be counted and cast. And what what the AG's review found is that one of those trays had gotten misplaced. So they believe it was a volunteer, an election volunteer who had taken one of the trays and instead of bringing it to the place where it would you know, go into the machine and, and be counted and be cast, it was set on a table just past that machine um, along with other ballots that had already been counted. And so that was sort of how they determined that this error had been committed in the first place and it had led to you know almost 200 200 ballots that that um should have been counted that were not counted um you know the ag was very clear that you know they found no evidence that there was any intent to not count these ballots it was just human error they really chalked it up to it being such a difficult 
election. Um, but still, it's, you know, it's a significant it's a significant error. It's, it's a lot of ballots that weren't cast. And so that's why moving forward, they are going to have this election monitor um, at, in Bedford for the midterms. Yeah. And what what exactly is the election monitor going to be able to do is just watch it, just monitor, just monitoring what everyone's doing, make sure all the ballots are, in, are getting up there. Are they going to be dealing with the people walking in? Yeah, that's my understanding is that they'll they'll just be monitoring what's happening and ensuring that things are everything's up to standard and that, you know, all of the, the rules and regulations are being appropriately followed. Um, you know, human error is is an unfortunate sort of side effect. And I think the idea is just as much as you can minimize that by having um, an extra set of eyes um, that that it would would work towards that end. Yeah, it's it, there. There was basically this is unfortunately got raised all over Twitter and such. People started freaking out. As you see, they left all these ballots over there. They were it was on purpose. It was not on purpose. Back and forth, and um, it, it goes so show with a lot of the the mainstream media coverage around this as being so partisan. Kind of raises so many fears and concerns. So it's it, it's good to see that the AG is stepping up and saying, "Hey, we're going to make sure this goes smoothly." Because I mean, the whole stop the steal movement is obviously very strong in this state too and there's no real basis for it i mean this is this is like the big example they can come up with and it's obvious just a tray of ballots that are absentee was left off to the side yeah and i i spoke with um miles madison he's the uh, deputy general counsel um in the election law unit for the attorney general and really hearing him talk through sort of how they arrived because i that was such an important question that you you're asking aj and, and i so I put it to him as well, because I know people in the state, it is a big concern and people are, are worried and they want to know. And when you see a serious error like this, I think a lot of people in their mind are like, well, how does that happen? Um, and so some of the ways when I heard him talk through it, it was really clear. You know, if you look at the ballots and they're just kind of these alphabetized ballots, there's, you know, I think if we were to imagine a scenario in which something was going on, we have an idea of what that would look like. You know, the ballots from one party that were getting parsed out and they didn't find any of that sort of evidence. So that's how they arrive at their conclusion that, you know, there's nothing untoward going on here. It's just an honest mistake. And of course, you know, all of the election officials who are working are doing their best to ensure that those mistakes don't happen. But just given the huge number of ballots that they had to process that were absentee ballots and that, in that kind of crazy 2020 election, um, unfortunately, this is this is the, the outcome of that. And now they've gotten to the bottom of it, and there's no further investigation at this point from the AG. They've they've sort of reached their final um, conclusion on this one. Awesome, Amanda Goki, New Hampshire Bulletin. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. NewHampshireBulletin.com to get more from Amanda and Marie and Ethan. Definitely be sure to check that out as well as all the commentary articles that are also posted on that site. All the articles discussed in today's episode of WKXL in the Morning will be listed in the on-demand version of the show at nhtalkradio.com, which video is also going to be posted on uh, WKXL's Facebook page, and follow us there for sure. I'm your host, AJ said This is WKXL in the Morning.